Part One, Section Seven of *The Age of Reason* by Thomas Paine. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Let him believe this, and he will live more consistently and morally than by any other system. It is by his being taught to contemplate himself as an outlaw, as an outcast, as a beggar, as a mumper, as one thrown, as it were on a dunghill at an immense distance from his creator and who must make his approaches by creeping and cringing to intermediate beings that he conceives either a contemptuous disregard for everything under the name of religion or becomes indifferent or turns what he calls devout in the latter case he consumes his life in grief or the affectation of it his prayers are reproaches his humility is ingratitude he calls himself a worm and the fertile earth a dunghill and all the blessings of life by the thankless name of vanities he despises the choicest gift of god to man the gift of reason and having endeavoured to force upon himself the belief of a system against which reason revolts he ungratefully calls it human reason as if man could give reason to himself yet with all this strange appearance of humility and this contempt for human reason he ventures into the boldest presumptions he finds fault with everything his selfishness is never satisfied his ingratitude is never at an end he takes on himself to direct the almighty what to do even in the government of the universe he prays dictatorially when it is sunshine he prays for rain and when it is rain he prays for sunshine he follows the same idea in everything that he prays for for what is the amount of all his prayers but an attempt to make the almighty change his mind and act otherwise than he does it is as if he were to say thou knowest not so well as i but some perhaps will say are we to have no word of god no revelation i answer yes there is a word of god there is a revelation the word of god is the creation we behold and it is in this word which no human invention can counterfeit or alter that god speaketh universally to man human language is local and changeable and is therefore incapable of being used as the means of unchangeable and universal information the idea that god sent jesus christ to publish as they say the glad tidings to all nations from one end of the earth to the other is consistent only with the ignorance of those who knew nothing of the extent of the world and who believed as those world saviors believed and continued to believe for several centuries and that in contradiction to the discoveries of philosophers and the experience of navigators that the earth was flat like a trencher and that a man might walk to the end of it but how was jesus christ to make anything known to all nations how could he speak but one language which was hebrew and there are in the world several hundred languages 
scarcely any two nations speak the same language or understand each other and as to translations every man who knows anything of languages knows that it is impossible to translate from one language to another not only without losing a great part of the original but frequently of mistaking the sense and besides all this the art of printing was wholly unknown at the time christ lived it is always necessary that the means that are to accomplish any end be equal to the accomplishment of that end or the end cannot be accomplished it is in this that the difference between finite and infinite power and wisdom discovers itself man frequently fails in accomplishing his ends from a natural inability of the power to the purpose and frequently from the want of wisdom to apply power properly but it is impossible for infinite power and wisdom to fail as man faileth the means it useth are always equal to the end but human language more especially as there is not a universal language is incapable of being used as an universal means of unchangeable and uniform information and therefore it is not the means that god useth in manifesting himself universally to man it is only in the creation that all our ideas and conceptions of a word of god can unite the creation speaketh an universal language independently of human speech or human language multiplied and various as they be it is an ever-existing original which every man can read it cannot be forged it cannot be counterfeited it cannot be lost it cannot be altered it cannot be suppressed it does not depend upon the will of man whether it shall be published or not it publishes itself from one end of the earth to the other it preaches to all nations and to all worlds and this word of god reveals to man all that is necessary for man to know of god do we want to contemplate his power we see it in the immensity of the creation do we want to contemplate his wisdom we see it in the unchangeable order by which the incomprehensible whole is governed do we want to contemplate his munificence we see it in the abundance with which he fills the earth do we want to contemplate his mercy we see it in his not withholding that abundance even from the unthankful in fine do we want to know what god is search not the book called the scripture which any human hand might make but the scripture called the creation the only idea man can affix to the name of god is that of a first cause the cause of all things and incomprehensible and difficult as it is for a man to conceive what a first cause is he arrives at the belief of it from the tenfold greater difficulty of disbelieving it it is difficult beyond description to conceive that space can have no end but it is more difficult to conceive an end it is difficult beyond the power of man to conceive an eternal duration of what we call time 
but it is more impossible to conceive a time when there shall be no time in like manner of reasoning everything we behold carries in itself the internal evidence that it did not make itself every man is an evidence to himself that he did not make himself neither could his father make himself nor his grandfather nor any of his race neither could any tree plant or animal make itself and it is the conviction arising from this evidence that carries us on as it were by necessity to the belief of a first cause externally existing of a nature totally different to any material existence we know of and by the power of which all things exist and this first cause man calls god it is only by the exercise of reason that man can discover god take away that reason and he would be incapable of understanding anything and in this case it would be just as consistent to read even the book called the bible to a horse as to a man how then is it that those people pretend to reject reason almost the only parts in the book called the bible that convey to us any idea of god are some chapters in job and the nineteenth psalm i recollect no other those parts are true deistical compositions for they treat of the deity through his works they take the book of creation as the word of god they refer to no other book and all the inferences they make are drawn from that volume i insert in this place the nineteenth psalm as paraphrased into english verse by addison i recollect not the prose and where i write this i have not the opportunity of seeing it the spacious firmament on high with all the blue ethereal sky the spangled heavens a shining frame their great original proclaim the unwearied sun from day to day does his creator's power display and publishes to every land the work of an almighty hand soon as the evening shades prevail the moon takes up the wondrous tale and nightly to the listening earth repeats the story of her birth while all the stars that round her burn and all the planets in their turn confirm the tidings as they roll and spread the truth from pole to pole what though in solemn silence all move round this dark terrestrial ball what though no real voice or sound amidst their radiant orbs be found in reason's ear they all rejoice and utter forth a glorious voice for ever singing as they shine the hand that made us is divine End of part one, section seven.